we are going to be doing a continuation of looking at the stories that Jesus tells about vineyards. The kingdom of God is not about lineage and legalism. It's about faith. It's about obedience to Christ. It's about accepting Jesus into our own lives. But I'm quite excited about this, as you can probably see. It's awesome. When they heard him tell this story, they realized that he was telling this story against them. They were the wicked farmers. continuation of looking at the stories that Jesus tells about vineyards and the people and characters that make up the vineyards and how they work. Now in the first one that we did of this series, uh, the, the, the main theme was probably about the character of the vineyard owner himself. The kingdom of heaven is like an owner of a vineyard. Um, in the second one, it was about the obedience of two sons. Now this one, well, I'll let you decide what you think it is about, but it's got bits of both of those in this one. It's, it's a great one. And it is still in Matthew uh, chapter 21. And it carries on straight from the story previously. Um, and if you noticed last week, you may not have. Right? But if you noticed last week, I skipped a verse. And that's deliberate. I skipped uh, the end of verse 32 uh, because I want to go back to it this week. Because it ties in with the end of the, of the story that we're going to look at now. Now, like I said, they, they, they run straight on from each other. There's no speech mark separating these stories. And, it, and it's like Jesus is on a roll, right? It's, it's like he's telling these stories, illustrating who's going to be in the kingdom, who's not going to be in, in the kingdom. Um, the surprises about that of who's going to be there and who's not. Um, and the surprises to the people he's telling the story to. Um, if you remember from last week, the... Um, Corrupt tax collectors and hookers are going to be in the kingdom of God ahead of the people that actually think that they should be there uh, because of their heritage and their legalism. And that's not what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is not about lineage and legalism. Um, it's, it's about more than that. It's about faith. It's about obedience to Christ. It's about accepting Jesus into our own lives. And then that's where we're going. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I'm quite excited about this, as you can probably see. It's awesome. All right, now I want to read this. Now listen to this, is what Jesus says. Now listen to another story. And like I said, he's on a roll here. And Matthew is deliberately, in the way he's writing this, building the tension. Because a lot of these stories, Jesus is telling in response to criticism from the legalists. And, and response to criticism for his teaching. And so he's telling these stories against these people. 
And anybody reading this in first century Palestine would realize, hey, if Jesus keeps carrying on like this, it's not going to end well. And Matthew is deliberately building this tension. It is wonderfully written and it's beautiful. And, and the way it happens in is very, very cleverly put together. Now listen to this, another story. A certain landowner, again, it's about the landowner, not the land necessarily. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out grape juice, and built a watchtower. <laughs> listen, listen, did you hear that? Listen to this. He built, he planted a vineyard, so he planted it, cultivated it built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out grape juice and built a watchtower around it. This is a, this is a brilliant illustration of the, of the character of the landowner. He has done every single thing that he possibly can so that the people who he gives this vineyard to can thrive and flourish. This is the nature, the character of the landowner. This is the nature and character of the God that we serve. He has done everything that he can to make sure that we are able to flourish and thrive. He's built it all. He's planned it all. He's prepped it all. And then it says this. Listen to what he does next. It's a great thing. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and he moved to another country. Now... When you've put all that much effort into planting a vineyard and, and putting up a wall um, and digging a wine press and, and uh, putting up a watchtower even, he, he gets people that he's going to lease this to. Now, you'd know that when he's done this and the people who, who he's telling this story to have an understanding of what happens of when you lease something to somebody. You, you don't just walk up to somebody willy-nilly and say, hey, just take this and, um, and, and do whatever you want with it. There's, there's an agreement that's been made here. There's, there's, there's terms and conditions that have been laid out. There's an understanding. There's a, there's a time frame that, all of these things have been arranged and, and it's good and okay, we've got all that settled. Now I'm going to go on my journey and uh, a certain time I'll come back. But in the meantime, I, I do expect that you give me what is actually rightfully mine. So the landowner goes away, goes on a journey and this is what happens. We arrive at the time when the obedience and the character and the integrity of the, the, the farmers who this land has been leased to is going to be tested. This is what happens. At the time of the grape harvest, in verse 34 of chapter 21, at the time of the grape harvest, <laughs> it's wonderful. You see, he's, he's done every single thing that he can do to make sure that it's possible for them to be fruitful. Everything he can do, he's done to make sure that they live a fruitful existence in this vineyard. And all he expects is, is what is rightfully his to be a portion of that returned to him. The time of the grape harvest, he sent his servant to collect his share that belonged to him, his share of the crop. Verse 35, but the farmers grabbed his servants, listen to this, and they beat one. They killed another and stoned another. 
So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect what was rightfully his, but the result was the same. They beat one servant, they killed another, they stoned another, and he sent some more. And they beat those and killed those and stoned those, and he sent some more, and larger groups this time, and they beat them and they stoned them and they killed them. You notice the patience of the landowner? Like if that had been me, the first servant they abused, I am turning up with an army. But that's not the patience of this landowner. He's gracious, he's patient, he allows them time. You remember in the very first story, when the, when the vineyard owner, he went to the marketplace and he saw people standing around and then he went to the marketplace again and he hired more people who were standing around and then he went to the marketplace again and he hired more people who were standing around and over and over and over again, he visits the marketplace to hire workers. And here again in this story, we have an illustration of the patience of the vineyard owner who doesn't just mete out vengeance at the first thing that these people do wrong, but over and over and over again, he gives a multiple chances to actually do the right thing over and over again and this is to illustrate to the people who are listening to this story that Jesus is telling I sent my prophets the, the father has sent the prophets to this nation over and over and over again asking you to do the right thing some of them you've killed some of them you've beaten some of them you've stoned I've sent more and more prophets to you and you've you've uh Stone those and beaten those and killed those. You haven't listened. And then this is what happens. Listen to this. It's just wonderful, really. Finally, the owner sent his son. <laughs> the owner sent his son. I mean, you know, you, you've really got to be pretty dull to not understand what Jesus is saying here. The owner sent his son. Hey, this time of year, this is the season when we celebrate the sending of the Son. The, the celebration of the sending of the Son. And he, and he says, I, I will send my Son. And he, saying, surely they will respect my Son. Jesus is telling this story about his own coming to the people that are listening. Knowing that they do not respect him. Knowing that that there, is, that there is no effort on their part to, to actually give back to God what is rightfully God's. I send my son. Surely they'll respect my son. Surely they'll do the right thing. The son has come. <laughs> what happens? Listen to this. Verse 38, but the tenant farmers saw the sun coming and they said to one another, here comes the heir. Oh, here comes the heir, the king of kings, the, Jesus, <laughs> the heir. Here comes the heir. Come on, let's kill him and keep the estate for ourselves. Wow. Let's kill him and keep the estate for ourselves. 
think about that. I don't want to serve... I don't want to serve the son. I'd rather kill him and serve me. I don't want to serve God. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather kill the idea of God and serve me. I'd rather be self-serving than God-serving. I'd rather be self-serving uh, than, than a servant of the son of the king of kings. I would, I would rather be a servant of myself than a servant of the owner of all of this who gave it to me, who set it all up so that I could su succeed and thrive, who, who prepared everything so that I could be fruitful in my life. In my arrogance and my, my greed, I would rather serve myself than serve the person that gave me all that. And that's what these people say. And I would put it to you today that we live in a culture that's exactly like that. We would rather be self-serving than serve the majesty of the king who gave us all of this. Who gave us all this splendor and set it all up so that we could be fruitful and that we could succeed and that we could thrive. Now, like I said... The other week, last week, I skipped some of this because I want to go back to this now. I'm, I'm going to skip a few verses again because, because of what Jesus says and it's just so deep and so involved that we'll come back to that another time. Then Jesus asked them the question. This is what they did. Then the farmers said to one another, let's kill him and we'll keep the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him outside the vineyard and they murdered him. When the landowner returns, Jesus asked, what do you think he'll do to those farmers? I'm going to skip all the way forward to verse 45. This is what it says. The leading priests and the law keepers and the Pharisees, when they heard this parable, he re they realized that they were, he was telling this story against them. When they heard him tell this story, they realized that he was telling this story against them, that they were the wicked farmers. Now, at this point, they have a choice, just like they had... Right back at the end of the last story in verse 32, the end of that verse, this is what it says. And even when you saw the prostitutes and their wicked tax collectors believing John's message, you did not repent of your sins. And even when they hear that this story is being told about them, What's their reaction? They wanted to arrest him. They didn't want to turn to him and serve him. They wanted to arrest him. And all of these stories, Jesus is telling them over and over again. Offering them the chance to do the right thing. 
I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when it seems that God over and over and over again is trying to do things with me in my life. That he's, that he's trying to, to, to show me things that, that maybe I'm doing wrong, attitudes that are wrong, uh, behaviors that are wrong over and over again, patiently sending me people into my life to say, to say to me, look, do the right thing. This is the way that you should act. And at those times, I have a choice, just like these people. And, and he talks about here, there's a deliberate refusal for them to turn back to God. And now he uses a very old-fashioned re word here. Repent. Turn from your direction that you're going and turn back to God. Turn to him. Give back to God what is rightfully his. And when I ask myself the question, what do I have that is rightfully his? Honestly, the honest answer is everything. Everything that I have is rightfully his. The very breath that I breathe today as I speak these words is rightfully his. The life that I live today, uh, as I stand in front of this camera today, in the snow, the beautiful snowfall, um, the life that I lead is rightfully his. And I have a choice. Do I take this life and use it to serve myself or do I use it to serve the King of Kings who gave me this life in the first place? What a choice. What an absolute choice. Do I turn from self-seeking and greed that we, that we hear in this story ends up in murderous intent. Look around the world and we see the world wars that are fought and the, and the shortages that are caused by greed and self-service. God gives us a chance. To, do you want to turn to me or do you want to continue on this destructive path? Hey, do you want what you've got or do you want what God has for you? Does that sound familiar? And I have to ask myself that question over and over again. And as we come into the time when we celebrate the appearance of the Son, God sending His Son, saying, hey, they'll respect my Son. We have a choice. Do we join ourselves to those who want to kill the Son? Or do we join ourselves to those who want to worship the Son and to serve him only. I have a choice today, like you do, like we all do. Do I turn my life over to the king? And do I serve the king, who is the owner of the vineyard? Hey, let me just pray for a moment. Father, in Jesus' name, help us, please, to come to a place where we turn our lives over to you and we serve the King of Kings instead of serving ourselves. We pray this in the name of your Son, the powerful name of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, bless you. Thank you for listening. And we're about to head into the uh, Advent season celebrates the coming of the Son. Let's serve Him together. Be safe. The most repeated question by Jesus during His ministry was this. 
Have you never read? Have you never read? Underneath that simple question is a life-altering implication. You should read the Word of God. That's why Jesus also says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus knows that there is a spiritual hunger inside of every human heart that can only be satisfied by consuming the words of God. Christian, give yourself to the Word of God. The Word of God is a rock, strong and steady. It doesn't budge, break, or crumble under pressure. It's an anchor in the storm, keeping us calm when everything around us is chaotic. The Word of God is a mirror showing us who we really are. You don't just read the Word of God, it reads you. It's a treasure, beautiful in every dimension and worth every effort of discovery. It brings endless joy and eternal riches to all who find it. It's a fire spreading across the world to bring heat and light. It's a river bringing life and power to everything it touches. The Word of God is a seed planted deep inside of our hearts, producing the fruit of holiness and righteousness. The Word of God is a sword, dividing true and false, right and wrong, good and evil. It's a hammer, crushing what needs to be crushed and breaking what needs to be broken. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to show us our path. So let the voice of God be the first the last and the loudest voice in your ear today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. Give yourself to the Word of God. God. 
分手。So Of the goodness of God.